Hi, folks. Welcome to HMH's Future of Transportation podcast. I'm John Halpin, and on this show, we host a regular series of chats with experts in the transportation industry. Joining me today is Martin Perrier, founder and CEO of Jaunt Air Mobility. We've done a lot of ground. Now we're getting up in the air on this podcast. Um, Jaunt aims to change the way we commute. Martin, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. So can you briefly beyond the, the you know, I guess it might be a mission statement. What what does Jaunt do? Yeah. Uh, John Air Mobility is actually a transformative uh, aerospace company. We uh, are designing and building piloted and autonomous uh, electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft, what we call eVTOLs, uh, for the urban air mobility market. Uh, we are addressing multiple markets, you know, air taxi, uh, emergency medical transport, organ transport, you know, news gathering, law enforcement, tourism, and the large cargo distribution market. Okay, so um, explain. So electric vertical takeoff and landing, why eVTOL, why is that important? Why is it a game changer? Yeah, absolutely. So this is the uh, really the exciting part of what we're doing today in aircraft development. It's uh, really it's the new revolution in aerospace. And uh, a lot of the aerospace companies, suppliers are all working towards uh, this end. So mm -hmm. the electrification of aircraft, uh, it is new enabling technology that allows the creation of new aircraft configurations, new aircraft types. And you may have seen various pictures of these aircraft configurations with multiple propellers or fans. And this is made possible with the electrification, the battery technology, the electric motor technologies and the controllers associated with that. You can now drive you know, multiple fans, propellers, or rotors, depending on the configuration of the aircraft. And it's very similar to a lot of the aircraft designs of long ago, when many different types of aircraft were created during the early stages of the aerospace industry, trying to optimize the configuration of various lifting devices. And so what you see flying today your conventional fixed-wing airplane and your helicopters have been optimized over the decades, you know, based on technology that was available at the time. And so this new uh, technology revolution that's taken place in the aerospace industry is going to allow different types of aircraft. And, and of course, being electric, you get the benefits of being able to design an aircraft that operates very quietly. Uh, that's a design attribute with these electric aircraft. And, and of course, they're, they're carbon free, right? No emissions when, when flying. Okay. So yeah, it's funny. When I first um, saw your aircraft, which is behind you for, for those watching on video, um, I said helicopter, but it's not. It's kind of a half, half and half almost, right? Yeah, it is. So we've taken the really the, the best attributes of a conventional airplane, uh, what we call a fixed wing airplane that has great cruise flight performance. And we combine that with the best attributes of a helicopter, which is extremely efficient in that vertical takeoff and landing phase of flight. And of course, you know, fixed wing airplanes have been around for a long time. They're well known in terms of how they fly and the safety characteristics. 
And the same with helicopters. So we've combined uh, both uh, aircraft types uh, into this single configuration that's, that's shown in uh, my virtual background. And again, this is only made possible because of the electrification uh, of the aircraft itself. You cannot do this with a conventional helicopter. You just can't stick wings on a helicopter and get the same level of capabilities that this particular design offers. Okay. Um, so with this being electric, um, we've talked to people uh, on this show about uh, electric cars and trucks and things like that. What is the, I mean, is the level of charging capability for any sort of vehicle, um, but particularly now definitely has it pertains to yours, is it satisfactory or, or are you, do you have any concerns that it will get to a satisfactory level by the time you, you really launch? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. You know, it's a question a lot of us are asking right now. Is the infrastructure in place to support the size of the market uh, that's has been uh, projected for um, the application here? And, and certainly it, it doesn't exist today. Um, and the power requirements for these types of aircraft are significantly higher than the auto industry charging requirements. And so it will require you know, special um, equipment to charge these aircraft. And you'll need these charging stations at the locations in which the aircraft operate. You know, fortunately, we're working uh, with BAE systems uh, located in, in New York. And BAE is actually uh, developing uh, what they call an integrated uh, energy management system that is scalable. It's, it is portable and uh, it does have you know, capability to store energy in this system. And you can you know, charge this system overnight using existing power line structures. Uh, you can also, um, you know, operate this through a more conventional, you know, natural gas or diesel generate generator or even hydrogen power generators. And to augment, you know, the capabilities of the electrical grid, if the grid can't supply the amount of power that's required to charge these aircraft in the time frame in which they're needed to turn around quickly to serve, you know, the air taxi market, for example. And so like the automobile industry, it's going to be kind of very similar. Uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of charging stations when electric cars first started being right. introduced. And there's a bit of a chicken and egg. And, and it's certainly uh, the availability of charging stations uh, today in the auto industry has increased pretty significantly as the, uh, the number of automobiles uh, that were produced and on the road. Okay. Um, so, so with, with, with what you're making here, we're not far away from air-based commuting, which sounds pretty, it sounds mind blowing even now, right? But we're a few years out probably. Um, what's the biggest barriers for entry to doing that? Whether it's for the operators, for the municipalities, for the passengers, you know, what, what hurdles do you really have to get over? Yeah, again, you know, another real question that a lot of folks have been uh, uh, asking, and there's a lot of individuals, you know, working that all the way from, you know, the aircraft manufacturers to the infrastructure people to the policy people in the municipalities and the, the authorities themselves. 
Uh, I personally believe the, the biggest uh, obstacle that we have to overcome is public acceptance. You know, will the public uh, be comfortable with, you know, aircraft flying overhead in the urban areas? You know, certainly they're accustomed to, you know, airplanes flying in and out of airports along, you know, fixed flight paths. Um, and, and, you know, they're comfortable with, with that. Of course, when they move near an airport, they expect it to hear that noise. Unfortunately, you know, the rotorcraft industry has a bit of a black eye uh, with rotorcraft noise. Uh, rotorcraft, uh, unfortunately, are inherently noisy in the public. Um, unfortunately, you know, coming from the rotorcraft industry, um, you know, complain about that noise. And so these aircraft uh, and the various aircraft configurations you've seen, including ours, actually by design operate very quietly. Mm -hmm. uh, the rotors, the fans all turn at a relatively low speed. And of course, electric motors are fairly quiet compared to a, a gas turbine type engine. And so noise, addressing the noise is gonna be the, the number one priority for all of the companies that are developing you know, aircraft uh, in this market space. So public acceptance, and then the getting the, the city leaders to allow operations um, to change zoning laws or or you know, create new zoning um, uh, areas in which you know these aircraft can you know operate from. Certainly, there's a lot of existing infrastructure out there uh, that's mm -hmm. underutilized today, and our particular aircraft uh, lends itself to existing flight operations, um, and so we're going to capitalize that uh, on that initially to get these aircraft fielded, get the public exposed to. Uh, the aircraft itself, certainly from uh, from an operations perspective, a noise perspective, and then showing that these aircraft can safely, you know, operate in urban air mobilities uh, and provide really a big community service for everybody moving in and around congested cities. So, when you you, you talked about you know zoning for this in in the air and. And you know, when I started researching what you do, and I was thinking, okay, I'm I'm thinking about the idea of of commuting in in one of these vehicles, which sounds great. And I'm thinking, what else? Five years from now, what else is up in the air? And the first thing that popped into my head is uh, probably cliche was an Amazon drone. You know, and and what what happens? Like, could how does the regulation work when so many people either want to or are able to? get up in the air over these municipalities? Yeah, so air traffic management is, is a topic of discussion right now with the authorities. You know, certainly it's gonna take some time for the number of aircraft to actually get built um, and really create uh, an issue where you do have a lot of aircraft flying in the air. Fortunately, there's, there's time for us to work the systems, air traffic management systems with new software systems and new technology that's going to be integrated into these aircraft as part of the uh, detect and avoid uh, type of technologies. Obviously, mm -hmm. there's technologies in commercial airliners today uh, that prevent, you know, two airplanes from flying into each other. Uh, a similar type of technology will be made available for these smaller aircraft that will prevent 
um, you know, obviously accidental uh, collisions in the air, but the automated air traffic management systems are really going to play a, a big role in controlling and directing traffic. And you will be flying, you know, established routes. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. you'll be flying from, you know, A to B, B to C, you know, C back to A. Uh, you won't have the kind of the random type of flight patterns that you may see with general aviation. These will be fairly well-defined um, commute paths. And, and, and so, again, you know, advanced air traffic management systems will be needed to uh, control the number of aircraft that will be up in the air flying. Okay. Um, early on, uh, when, when you first started explaining what Jaunt Air Mobility does, you used the word autonomous. Um, so when it gets to, so when you roll out initially, three, four, five years down the road, I think it's five-ish, um, is it pilots and then autonomous comes later? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, a good point there because uh, I did mention an autonomous aircraft and you know, we are developing uh, today a uh, what we call a single pilot uh, instrument flight rated IFR aircraft with four passengers. Uh, we feel that a pilot is absolutely necessary in this first uh, grouping of aircraft that we'll take to the skies. Um, number one, you know, the authorities, the FAA, for example, and Transport Canada and EASA, um, there isn't a commercially available, you know, autonomous aircraft that's been certified. And so this mm -hmm. is going to be new for the civil aviation uh, group. Certainly autonomous aircraft fly today for the military. The U.S. military flies a whole suite of different types of aircraft without a pilot on board. Right. And um, we see eventually, you know, this class of aircraft will be highly automated again along you know specific routes in which it becomes somewhat mundane if you will uh, even though you know the systems will be fairly sophisticated there will be you know ground monitoring of these aircraft in which it's possible that a ground-based pilot could if he had to you know inject himself into the aircraft itself but we see the future with uh, autonomous aircraft um, more than likely in the cargo market initially, we're okay. moving cargo between distribution centers uh, during the night and then reconfiguring that aircraft to, to move people uh, during the day. Okay, so cargo wise, it's not a big aircraft. So this is sort of, I, what kind of cargo is it? Yeah, so um, a lot of small delivery trucks that you see uh, crossing cities today are, are actually not carrying large loads. Mm -hmm. uh, conversations that we have had with cargo companies uh, located in the Northeast, uh, especially where a lot of cargo comes in um, off the docks, it's uh, debulked, you know, it's taken from the big containers and put on uh, small delivery trucks that drive across, you know, uh, New York City, for example, or New Jersey, the average load is about 500 pounds. Uh, and they're delivering to, you know, some industrial site. Uh, our particular aircraft, you know, we have a, a thousand pound payload capability, which is a lot of weight. Yeah. Uh, you remove the, the four seats and, um, 
we can take a what we call a palletized load, uh, a standard pallet uh, that is you know put into the aircraft to move um, industrial cargo from the docks to industrial sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also envision uh, where you have two large distribution centers, uh, you know, one north of the city, one south of the city, and uh, where they're moving uh, a lot of goods uh, between these two big distribution centers. Um, without naming companies, uh, they're using trucks today to move mm-hmm. that uh, back and forth. And, you know, automobile traffic, um, certainly not good for the environment um, and it obviously slows down you know productivity and so these aircraft can be utilized to move um, you know that type of cargo back and forth between uh, between sites that's really cool um, all right so back to the commuting side of things what's a, what kind of commute are, are we talking about you said it's it's not like a uh, uh, an airborne free for all <laughs> that anyone can commute anywhere they want, and there's going to be stations every block. Yeah, I like using um, the the Manhattan to uh, JFK uh, commute, uh, yeah. and that's being served today uh, by by a company called Blade. They actually operate uh, helicopters, uh, and they fly people from you know downtown Manhattan to uh, JFK. And of course, you know, anybody who's spent time in New York City knows what it's like to commute uh, in New York City. Some, some days I'm a native are... New Yorker. I never flew out of JFK <laughs> from Manhattan. Never. Yeah. So, so you know, from downtown to JFK, it's, it's a little less than 20 miles. Um, and so if you take a, a taxi or an Uber, um, and depending on the day, you know, it'll take you about 75 minutes or so uh, to go from downtown to JFK. And it'll cost you about $80, uh, not including any sort of tips for, for baggage. Um, and so with a jaunt journey aircraft, you can make that commute in less than 20 minutes. And um, it'll only cost you $55 uh, to make that commute. Um, and that's, you know, per passenger, uh, assuming that you have four people in, in the aircraft. And of course, it'll drop you off at the terminal uh, with your bags. Um, and then you go through, obviously, uh, through security and off, off to your, your flight. And so a significant time savings uh, associated with that commute. And you can run that back and forth all day long. Um, yeah. And, you know, the... the more hours you, you, you put on the aircraft, it actually is cheaper to operate because of the fixed cost goes down. And so it's really designed for the general public. It's not really designed, uh, well, obviously for the business person, but it's really for the general public to get the cost down uh, on a mile per mile basis, similar to what you would pay for a, a taxi or Uber or a Lyft ride. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that price to, that jumped out at me that I thought that's maybe cheaper than an Uber or a taxi. So um, it's, it's comparable. It is. It's, it's designed to be uh, the same, same pricing as taking a, an automobile. What's, what's really key is you've taken that automobile off the road. And so the carbon footprint associated with that car 
uh, is remove, but more importantly, when you remove uh, automobiles from a congested highway, the entire highway system flows a lot faster. And there's a multiplying effect because you physically removed an automobile from, from the highway, people can actually drive a little bit faster uh, in terms of the traffic flow. And, um, and so there's a, a secondary savings that you get from, from a carbon emissions perspective. Yep. Okay, so two more questions about that, that commute scenario. How high in the air are the, is the journey? So um, depending on, you know, where you're operating. Um, so in the New York area, I believe it's about a thousand feet is, mm -hmm. is where that flight path would take you. So you would climb out to roughly a thousand, you, you fly over and then you descend into, uh, into JFK. Um, okay. So not, not very high. Um, you know, at a thousand feet, people on the ground, you know, will, you know, not hear the aircraft, certainly in the New York area because of the background noise. You would have to be, you know, looking up to to actually, you know, spot spot the aircraft. Got it. And does it land at like a heliport type of? Yeah. So our our particular aircraft, um, we are certifying our aircraft under existing certification rules and also existing operational rules. You know, without getting too technical, it's, it's called Part One Thirty Five. It's the way existing rotorcraft operate today. And so we can okay. drop our aircraft into an existing operator and with the training uh, associated with our aircraft design could start operating. So you would utilize existing uh, heliports that are available uh, across the, the US and in, in, in cities. Okay. So why, why is your aircraft, I mean, there's, there's, you're not the only one trying to get into this space. Why, why is your aircraft, what makes your aircraft different and better? It's, it's uh, the fact that, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we took the best attributes of a conventional fixed wing airplane and the best attributes of a helicopter. And we've combined them into this configuration that yields a extremely safe aircraft uh, from, from um, a flight perspective and an emergency perspective. If, for uh, a reason, you know, that you ran out of electrical power uh, on the aircraft, uh, there's systems in the aircraft that allow you to continue to uh, safely fly the aircraft to a landing spot on the ground. And um, some of these other aircraft configurations, you know, don't lend themselves to gliding or auto-rotating. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, ballistic parachutes can help you but only if you have enough uh, altitude. Um, the ballistic chutes don't have enough time to deploy if you're close to the ground. And, and of course, um, you can obviously uh, have a, a pretty uh, fatal accident uh, before the chute has a chance to open up. So safety is a, is a big uh, item for, for us. Uh, we have some other unique capabilities in, in the aircraft in terms of providing um, what we call the level fly technology in which the passengers uh, always maintain a level attitude. You know, they don't tilt up or tilt down on, on landing, uh, which is beneficial to uh, passenger comfort. And, and again, uh, utilizing existing, you know, certification requirements um, that our aircraft uh, falls under 
in terms of the rotorcraft rules. Okay. Um, so you recently merged with uh, a company called Aero Group. So what's what's why what's good about that? What how does that help John Air Mobility? Yeah, so we uh, a couple of weeks ago we did announce at NBAA that John is uh, merging with the Aero Group. Aero Group is a uh, a collection of six other companies that are all merging into a single you know legal entity uh, that will provide uh, really advanced uh, aerial systems, including our aircraft, uh, but uh, a lot of drone uh, type activity. Uh, that's also coming into play uh, to support, you know, cargo autonomous vehicles. Uh, the Aero Group, you know, does provide a few benefits uh, to John itself. The first benefit is really is the access to the capital. Um, as you know, it takes a, a lot of capital to uh, develop a, an aircraft. And so the Aero Group uh, does provide um, access to uh to capital, the capital markets through uh, some processes that they're they're going through right now. Um, it also provides a broader market opportunity as we develop, you know, these uh, autonomous aircraft for cargo applications, in which you know the Aero Group is is currently pursuing for smaller cargo applications and the autonomous technologies uh, that we can capitalize on. It also provides a, a talent pool of uh, some very experienced uh, uh, aerospace professionals that we can uh, utilize um, in our development program. And of course, um, the existing you know, supply base suppliers uh, that they're currently uh, utilizing today uh, across, across the businesses. So we, we see it as a, uh, as a benefit to uh, John and a win-win uh, for all of the companies uh, that are joining uh, the Aero Group. Okay. Um, so between now and that and that first flight from JFK to Manhattan, what are some of the milestones that you need to hit? Like, what are the uh, you know fr- from now until you're you know basically in market uh, and 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 widely used? What are some of the big things that have to happen? Yeah, from a development perspective, uh, you know, we've been working really closely with our key suppliers. Um, one of the more challenging aspects of, you know, developing the technologies um, for all of the EV tall companies is in the, uh, the battery, battery management system and developing a system that's going to be safe, reliable and, um, you know, quote, cheap to operate. And uh, we've teamed up with uh, BAE to uh, take on that development. And, and so they are on a, a path to uh, develop that system and certify that system. And so that was a, a critical item for us in our development program is to make sure that battery system, you know, is robust and can get through a, a proper, you know, aircraft certification. Um, the other big milestone that we have is to build the full-scale, uh, what we call the pre-production aircraft. It will have, you know, all of the systems uh, associated with a production aircraft. It'll look just like a production aircraft, the same size, uh, the number of propellers, the configuration of the aircraft, and getting that aircraft, you know, up and flying in that 2023 timeframe and proven out 
you know, the capabilities of the aircraft itself, evaluate the flight control system from a piloting perspective, and working out any other minor adjustments that we need to make uh, before we actually enter uh, the flight test certification program. There'll be four aircraft that we build that will be part of the flight test program. Uh, we will go through that process and certify the aircraft in 2026 with uh, mm -hmm. delivery uh, occurring towards the end of 2026. And, um, and obviously uh, ramping up to uh, full full production at that point. That's awesome. Um, I look forward to seeing how that goes. Um, one more question, unrelated kind of to what we've been talking about. So um, uh, as I told you before we started on this show, I like to talk to, to people in the transportation industry, interesting people, interesting topics, things like that. Um, and I think your company is and what you're doing is fascinating. Who, who should I talk to? What companies in the transportation industry doesn't have to be uh, air travel? Like what, what's what's interesting to you? And I always say to people, you can't say Tesla. You know, <laughs> like it has to be like some sort of other company that maybe I haven't heard of that you're like, you know, they're doing some really cool stuff. It could be technology. It could be vehicle. It could be anything. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm from the aviation industry and, you know, that part of the transportation in the industry. And so I'm heavily uh, influenced uh, in that part of the industry. And I think, you know, it's that industry today is probably the most exciting, to be honest with you, with all of the aircraft types that are being uh, developed right now. And so I would actually uh, try to talk to maybe another couple of the eVTOL companies mm -hmm. and uh, kind of get their thoughts on uh, similar type of questions that you had asked me. And maybe, you know, what's unique about their aircraft configuration? Um, mm -hmm. Some companies are actually planning on becoming operators. Um, right. You know, John is, um, is, is not planning on doing that. Certainly, uh, we are looking at the more traditional, you know, OEM type where we deliver aircraft into the market. Now, it's not to say that we wouldn't operate in the future, but that's not our current, you know, plan today. But there, right. there are companies out there that want to, uh, you know, become operators, and uh, which is a uh, even a bigger challenge to mm -hmm. not only design, build, certify, but then you got to go operate. And, um, and so that, that would be interesting to, to kind of get their perspective on, on, on things. And, and of course, you know, you, you've heard about, you know, Joby Aviation and Archer. Um, yeah. Those would be uh, two, two companies that are out there. And of course, there are some other transportation systems, the, the Hyperloop, uh, right. which I always found uh, fascinating from an from a engineering perspective. Um, you know, whether it's feasible to build type, that type of system is yet to, to be proven, but right. uh, that, that would be uh, another interesting topic for, for your uh, viewers. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for that. All right. Every, everybody, you can learn more about Jaunt Air Mobility on their website at jauntairmobility.com and on all the usual social media platforms. Martin, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a great conversation. I really appreciate it. John, thank you. I really appreciate the, the time today.
All right, um, folks, to wrap up, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you might be watching or listening. It'll help us get the word out. Uh, To learn more about HMH, the Transportation Transformation Agency, visit hmhagency.com and find us on all those usual social media platforms that I mentioned. For Martin Perrier, I'm John Halpin. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with a new episode of the Future of Transportation podcast.